Hey friends, welcome back to another Seed Talk with Lisa and Lane. Hey Lane. Hi, hello everybody. Welcome folks. If you're new here, we are so glad you dropped in. This podcast is brought to you by thegardenersworkshop.com where Lane and I keep, it keeps us busy during the day and we invite you to drop in over there if you ever have a need for tools, seed supplies, or a gardening book. So Lane, what is Seed Talk about today? All right. So today is going to be the third installment of our Cut and Come Again Cool Flowers mini series we've been doing. So we've covered 18 Cut and Come Again Cool Flowers so far in episodes 21 and 23. And today we have the last seven. So we're going to be finishing out our list of Cut and Come Again Cool Flowers. Are you ready to get started? I am ready. All right. So once again, just remind everyone what we're referring to as a Cut and Come Again flower. Sure. So cut and come again means that typically that it is a branching annual. And if you harvest a stem, that encourages the plant to grow another one right in its place. And just like in our parts one and two, I'm going to be asking the same questions for every flower we cover today. So I'm going to ask, why is this plant worth growing? We're going to find out how many stems does each plant produce? And the standard disclaimer I've been issuing every time when we say this is that the number of stems per plant that you experience might be different than what we discuss here today. Your growing conditions, your experience level, the variety, whether a plant was pinched or not, these are all factors that can influence the number of stems that you get. So just consider this an estimate to give you an idea of what you might expect. Yeah. Then we're going to find out how long does the plant produce? And does Lisa plant successions of this out on the farm? And if so, how many and how far apart? As usual, do keep in mind that we are located here in southeastern Virginia in USDA zone 7B8A. If you live in a region with a cooler summer climate than we have here, you might be able to plant more successions than we talk about today. And you may have a longer cool flower season in general. And the opposite might be true if you live somewhere much warmer than us. Right. Ready for the first one? I am. Mm. Uh, yes. I know. We're starting off with a bang. So up first, we have, I believe this was the first flower Lisa ever started from seed. Is that right? It is a true story. All right. And this has an extremely tiny seed. We are talking about snapdragons, or some people call them snaps for short. Snapdragons are winter hardy to USDA zone five. We like to say that they're hardy to USDA zone five with added protection like mulching and row covers. And I think most people know what snapdragons look like. These are spike flowers. They have a huge variety of colors to choose from. Some are single flowers, some are double, some are open-faced, they're solid colors, they're bi-colors, they're all so beautiful. And snapdragons are really loved by hummingbirds as well as bees. So Lisa, why are snapdragons worth growing? You know, I have a little snapdragon problem for all those reasons <laughs> that you just listed, all the different colors, all the different um, flower types is why I start way more snapdragons every year for 25 years um, than we really should have in our garden. Um, snapdragons are a huge commercial crop. 
um, because they are so long lasting, they're beautiful in bouquets, they're high demand and commercial customers, because as my commercial customers fondly referred to them as garden snaps, garden snaps do not compare to what they take out of boxes. Um, yes. They just, they're fragrant and they're just so special and sweet. And the two that you selected for this slide, Chantilly on the left and Madam Butterfly on the right, just make my heart race. I just love them. <laughs> they are so beautiful and bumblebees particularly love them. Oh, they do. They definitely do. All right. So how many stems would you say each plant produces and how long do they produce for you? Sure. So we primarily only fall plant um, because of the sheer abundance of stems and the quality that we get when they overwinter. There's just no comparison. Um, because when I tell you how many stems that we get off a plant, it is definitely related to fall planting. I mean, we yeah. get eight to 15 good stems off of each plant. Um, and that, I mean, when I say eat good stems, I'm talking about very useful in bouquets and even in commercial sales. They're not 48 inches tall honkers, but they are definitely nice, sturdy, thick stemmed um, stems. Very, yes. very beautiful. And how long would you say they produce for you? So we plant all the different groups of snaps um, in the fall, which makes them stagger out. That's very related to the day length. Um, so as the day like Chantilly starts first, which is the open face snap, and that for us in the field will actually start blooming the end of March or early April. Um, and then the different varieties kind of fall in over a 10 day or so um, lineup. And we have Rocket coming in at the beginning of its bloom time, typically around Mother's Day. So we get by growing the different varieties all planted at the same time in the fall, um, a nice window of about eight weeks. And what happens here, um, there are varieties that we could plant later that they say take the heat and humidity, and they do, but we find they also fall victim to diseases that we have never faced when we fall plant like rust. Um, so we only fall plant them and have them till after, we have them till the end of a month of May, um, and then we're done with snaps. Yeah. And like Lisa mentioned, something to be aware of when you're shopping for your Snapdragons is that the varieties are classified into groups one to four, depending on the day length, light intensity, and temperature conditions where they will perform best. And group one generally corresponds to shorter days and cooler temperatures. And group four is kind of on the other end of the spectrum with longer days and warmer temperatures. So that's something worth considering when you're selecting your varieties. And like Lisa said, it's a good idea to pick from all these different groups to kind of help give you a staggered harvest. You know, Lane, did you notice this? On the Chantilly bloom is a ladybug. I did notice it. Oh, that's one of the reasons I picked this one. Oh, that's so nice. All right. So do you plant successions? So I used to plant fall and then again in very early spring. But for the reasons that I just mentioned, the quality and abundance just was not comparable to the fall planted. And we just didn't find that it added any value. So now we're moving on to a filler flower with very small papery blooms. And I'm talking about status. Status is winter hardy to USDA zone seven. 
And there are so many different colors of status available. There are whites, yellows, blues, purples, rose, apricot, and status makes a really excellent dried flower as well. Those colorful papery blooms are actually bracts and status really, really holds its color when it's dry. So why is status worth growing? It just brings a pop of color to bouquets like no other flower. We get a boatload of stems as well as they are 24 inches to 30 inches tall. They are fabulous. Um, I particularly like to grow, the, I think it's the rose that's the magenta color and yes. the bright purple um, color and the yellow um, those three are just such great additions to your mixed bouquets. Yes. The colors just really are outstanding on status. Yes. All right. How many stems would you say each plant produces and how long does it produce for you? I'm telling you, I bet we get 20 or 30 stems per plant when you fall plant them. They're winter hardy yes. here and they are just so well established. And, you know, they survived the, uh, this year, that polar blast and they are the biggest honkingest plants out there. I cannot wait to see how they produce. So how long would you say they're producing for you? Okay. So they start typically in May when they're fall planted. Um, and I would say, I mean, I get tired of cutting them. I mean, we kind of <laughs> just give up on them literally kind of like sweet peas. It's like they would just keep coming. Um, and so I would say that we get four to six weeks of really nice, fresh use stems. And then what typically happens is we get tied up with summer stuff. Then we go out and harvest the entire plant, you know, reach down and grab all the stems, cut them at ground level and bunch them to hang them to dry um, is what the end of that does. So, I mean, it's a good long harvest window. Yeah. And do you plant successions? I would say, and I have had great success very early spring planting this. So I have not done it deliberately, um, planted fall and very early spring to compare how that extends, um, but you get a good enough performance out of them um, and that would be a good extension. Okay, so now we have another papery bloom. This is one of my favorites, and this is straw flower. Straw mm. flower is winter hardy to USDA zone eight. We actually did a Thanksgiving episode, which was episode 12, where Lisa and I each picked a flower we were thankful for, and straw flower was the flower that I chose. Straw flowers are typically anywhere from around one and a half inches to three inches across. Yeah. They have papery bracts that hold their color extremely well when they're dried. There are all sorts of colors to choose from. There are bright colors like reds and oranges and yellows. And then there are softer colors like silvery rose and peach and white. These are cool flowers, but they really do handle the heat of summer well. Even if you're not planning on cutting them, if you're just using them out in the landscape, the flowers maintain their color for a really long time if you're leaving them on the plants. And these older blooms might not be something you'd want to cut and put in a vase indoors, but they certainly add a pop of color out in the garden. And a really big deal for me is that deer and rabbits have not shown any interest in my straw flower. That may not be your experience, but it's worth a try if you have deer and rabbit issues. So Lisa, why are straw flowers worth growing? Um, what an in-demand flower straw flowers has always been for us, commercial and for bouquets. Um, straw flowers, as you mentioned, it's like a, it's 
kind of resembles like a daisy shape. So yeah. there's always a demand for that. They are a strong draw for pollinators and they are kind of like lysianthus where they can have a cool start with a hot finish. So we do, we yes. only plant these in very early spring. They are not winter hardy here for us in my experience. And, but they don't really need to be fall planted because when we very early spring plant them, we get incredibly tall stems and a lot of abundance. We do continue um, to plant more of those as the season moves along. Yes. All right. So how many stems would you say each plant produces and how long does it produce for you? I would say three to five nice stems are the initial um, and probably over a probably three to five week period. All right. And do you plant successions? So you don't fall plant this, but what are your successions like in very early spring? Sure. So our first plantings in very early spring. And then last year, Bobo and I, every four weeks after that very early spring planting, um, started more straw flowers and did that for three times. And they performed beautifully. So you can get them in early to get them started. And then you can continue that because they were major contributors to our bouquet program. Moving on to sweet peas. Sweet peas are winter hardy to USDA zone seven. These are a vining plant with delicate little blossoms. There are lots of different shades from really pale colors to really rich, saturated shades. There are solid colors and bicolors. Some are striped or streaked. Some have more ruffled petals. But sweet peas for me are all about the fragrance. It is just the best scent. They don't have a very long base life, but the plants are extremely productive. And if you have a patch of sweet pea vines, you will certainly be able to pick fresh flowers whenever you need them. And when our sweet peas are blooming, it's just a part of the daily routine to go out and snip some of the flowers and put them in bud vases throughout the house. And the fragrance just fills the room. They just make me so happy. So Lisa, why are sweet peas worth growing? The fragrance, hands down. I mean, yeah. that's what takes people back to their grandma's, um, the time when they were kids at her house. Um, they're beautiful blooms also, but the fragrance and the vines are very interesting. Um, mm -hmm. And so they are, I mean, and they are very productive. So you just, the more you cut, the more they come and that fragrance, you just can't get enough of it. And did you sell a lot of sweet peas to your florist customers or were these mostly used in your bouquets for subscriptions? We sold lots to event people when they were doing weddings and those types of things. And we also cut the vines with multiple blooms on there to get stem length for them. Yes. A lot of, a lot of um, chandelier decorations and those types of things. So yes, they're definitely not a cash cow. You know, you're not going to, that's not going to be high demand because it's very focused on like an event type of thing. Yes. But I mean, fragrance is just takes people away and they do not really continue to open after you cut them. So you have to kind of cut them open. You get a few days with them and then you just go out and cut more as you mentioned. Yes. All right. So how many stems would you say each plant produces and how long does it produce for you? So the number of stems is endless because at every um, bud in a, where the every, I mean, at every leaf set on the vine, a stem will pop out. And if you continue to cut those literally daily, more will continue to come. 
And um, the, the why we lose sweet peas is as the heat and the humidity comes on, they fall victim to disease and pests. Um, so usually for us, that's mid-June. And by mid-June, late June, we are so sick of cutting sweet peas. I mean, <laughs> they, it's a very labor intensive when you have a lot of them, like we have grown in the past. Um, but when once we started cutting the vines, um, that really helped to limit the, the sheer volume. But by mid-June, late June, you're pretty much ready to be done with them. And how many plants did you tend to grow on the farm? How many sweet pea vines would you have going at a given time? So in the beginning, the first probably 10 or 15 years, we would grow probably 50 to 100 foot row of them, which is quite a few. Yeah. Um, now we only grow like 15 to 20 feet. Um, because it's just such a limited, if you, if we cut the individual stems, like for bud vases, we would have what's called sweetie bouquets, which is about 25 stems of sweet peas bunched together for our members only market people. I mean, people love them, but the more you cut them, the more they come. So, I mean, they, yeah. it was pretty much never ending. So about 15 feet really was enough for us. Yeah. And how about for a home gardener? How many vines do you think they should have? Not very many. Interestingly enough, the image and cool flowers of the sweet peas on that short little trellis is one of our customers' homes that lives here locally. And that little, I think that was like a five foot straight row of vine every six inches. Um, she said that supplied her whole home for, um, you know, that whole like six week period of getting blooms. So a five foot run, because you need to have it to grow up on trellis of some kind of support. Um, a five foot run, if you keep it cut clean, you'll have flowers to cut every day almost. Yeah, that's basically exactly what we do here. And we typically do have flowers to cut every single day. All right, so do you plant successions? Nope, we only plant sweet peas typically in the fall to get that good vigorous establishment before they start growing. So now we are moving on to a really important crop for you, Lisa, on the farm, and that is Sweet William. Sweet William is winter hardy to USDA zone five. This is actually another species of Dianthus, and this is one that if you're planning on planting it in very early spring, you definitely need to make sure you get a first year flowering variety like Amazon or Sweet and not one of the true biennial varieties like Electron that actually requires vernalization or a cold period in order to bloom. Yes. These flowers also have a fragrance. The blooms are these clusters of florets and the green flower head looks beautiful and interesting before a single bloom has even opened. And there are so many different shades to choose from. There are a lot of pinks, purples, whites, corals, different bicolor options. So why is Sweet William worth growing? Sweet Willie is what I affectionately call Sweet <laughs> William. And um, Sweet William is an incredibly important cash crop to flower farmers, not only for florist, but for bouquet work. Um, I mean, we start cutting, um, particularly um, Amazon is my go-to variety. Um, because if, the, if you're looking at the image on YouTube, the flowers on the right, um, which I don't know if that's not sweet. What is that? That's Bodestalt's mix. Oh, that's the new one. Okay. Yes. So that kind of has more of a ball shape where Amazon has a bigger, more branched head. So it covers more yes. space. 
But for Amazon, we grow so much of it. We also cut it before it even shows color because the green fuzzy head before it blooms is very interesting and makes an excellent bouquet filler that actually holds up beautifully. But then even as it begins to bloom, I mean, our commercial customers would say there is nothing like local Sweet William. I mean, the, the quality of the blooms and then it's fragrant. Um, and so I find that um, for this, Amazon is just our go-to for the most stem length, um, as well as the, the hits, it nails the colors that are most in demand. Yeah. Was there a particular color of Amazon that was always the most popular? Rose Magic. The one yeah. you have pictured here, I'll yeah. still never, I will never forget. I mean, I grew a lot. You can ask Suzanne. I'm telling you, she threatened to divorce me as a sister one year. <laughs> we grew so much sweet William and she was the harvester. I'm talking wheelbarrow loads of sweet William. Wow. And I can remember walking in the back door of one of our florists with just tons. He had ordered just tons of the rose magic. And he said, you know, you would almost think that you planned for this to be blooming for Mother's Day, which I had. And it was just, he he said, I could put three sticks of this in every Mother's Day bouquet. Keeping in mind that for Mother's Day, he rented a tractor trailer cooler that was parked out back. I mean, yeah. Okay. So it, it's just a great color. It's white and some bicolor pale pinks that is just a beautiful go with anything. Yeah. All right. So how many stems would you say each plant produces and how long do they produce for you? Sure. So um, for Amazon, again, I get more usable stems than any other variety. That's a same year as you described it, not a biennial um, and I would say probably three to five stems. And it depends on when we when we plant it. If it's a fall plant, um, typically we get two to three weeks out of it. And then we've succession plants so much that they all kind of run together as a blur. But we typically are still cutting Sweet William in June. And you just said you do plant successions. So what does that schedule look like? Sure. So we fall plant and in fall, we also plant those that do require vernalization are actually late summer. Um, Electron would be one of those, which is just a great one of it's Dave and I just think Electron is our favorite, but you have to get it in the ground in time to get actual blooms. Um, so we fall plant and then we very early spring plant and then we will even do successions after that. Amazon is known or hybridized part of its characteristics is to perform in high heat. However, um, you know, if you, we try to grow it in the middle of summer, the heat is just so much, it just doesn't get tall enough. So very early spring, and then about th every three to four weeks after that for two or three more times. Um, and again, it's even useful as a green filler if you don't need the color. Yeah. But purple is one of my favorite fluorescent bright colors. Yes. All right. Moving on. I love this one. Next yeah. up, we have Orlea, which is also known as white lace flower. Orlea is winter hardy to USDA zone six. This is one of my absolute favorites out in the landscape. The flowers are these delicate, lacy white umbels with larger petals around the edges. Pollinators and beneficial insects are so attracted to this flower. And this is another one that has a lot of landscape value because the flowers look interesting before they even bloom all the way to when they form seed heads. And we allow it to reseed in our garden because I can't get enough of it. 
So why is Orlea worth growing? And it is a strong reseeder. It is. Uh, it is. So once you get it, and I will say that this flower in the book, Cool Flowers, I recommended starting it indoors. And I, in fact, have had a different experience now. We now direct sow it. We had better luck direct sowing it. Yeah. Um, this one is different than the, the false Queen Anne's Lace, you know, the Ami Magus. Um, it's kind of similar, but not really. It has bigger flower petals, um, but it is just, I mean, the florists love it. It's so unique in bouquets um, and you can never have enough white flowers as a flower farmer. So we yeah. just love this one too. And it does reseed here. I've got a reseeding, I call it myself, appointed garden. Um, it reseeds heavily and I like to actually thin it pretty heavily so we get nice tall plants because it'll just lay down a carpet of seedlings. Be aggressive with thinning it and you will get rewarded. Yes. All right. How many stems does each plant produce and how long is it producing for you? Probably three to five good tall stems. Um, and I would say that probably comes, they probably have a short window, two to three weeks, probably. All right. And do you plant successions? I do not. However, um, we, as you've mentioned before, um, the stages that the flowers themselves go through, um, they are quite beautiful as they're developing seed yes. pods, um, and they last even longer than, so that kind of extends your bloom time. It's not really a bloom, but it is still very, very useful. Yeah. And that's exactly why I like it out in the garden, out in the landscape, because it's another one of those that looks good even when it's past its prime. Yes, it still provides sure. interest. Yeah. All right. So we're on to the last flower of the day, and that is yarrow. Or you might say yarrow. Yarrow is, I think this might be the hardiest cool flower that we have talked about. It is hardy to USDA zone four. And this is another one that's just a very valuable plant in mm -hmm. the landscape. It has these clusters of really tiny flowers grouped at the top of each stem. It has ferny foliage. There are so many colors available. There are mixes with pastel tones, berry tones, sunset tones, and beneficial insects and pollinators love yarrow as much as we do. So why is yarrow worth growing? So it's the colors um, in this particular variety. And I know it's so confusing for folks, especially like we spoke of with Dianthus, um, with some of the different families, there's different types of flowers. So there are perennial yarrows, there are hardy annual yarrows. So to this should not be confused with the perennials. So this is Colorado sunset. And we love this one because of that pale yellow, the shrimp color and the magenta pink that is just so very, very beautiful. Um, the yarrow, it's just such a great bouquet filler, but it also is in demand with our commercial customers. It's that big flat flower that is just so very, yes. very useful. And it's got a wide variety of colors. Um, and I often get the question of why do we plant it every fall? You know, it it's a perennial or people say it recedes and it is there are perennials, not this particular one. Some of the plants may live from year to year, but it's really the reseeding that's happening. And we find that the colors that I'm most attracted to in this mix are not strong reseeders. You lose the pale yellows and the shrimps after several years. Um, we ended up with an entire 
front guarding full of white and pale pink with none of the other colors. Um, so we love this flower for our bouquets and our commercial cups, customers love them too. Yeah, there are certain traits that are dominant. Yeah. And as you let all the colors cross with each other, the mix of shades that you started with might shift over time and certain colors might become more dominant than others when you're allowing it to self-seed. So yep. you're often better off just buying the mix and you know you're going to get a nice mix of these colors. So how many stems would you say each plant produces and how long does it produce for you? Um, I would say probably four to seven would be a fair um, estimation. And they continue to bloom. And if they aren't happy, they like lean soil, meaning not high fertility and a little water, but not lots of rain. Um, and if they're getting those conditions, they will continue to bloom probably over a three to five week period, but that can be cut short with weather conditions. And do you plant successions? I do not. We plant them in the fall to get the maximum stem length, which is about 30 inches and the maximum abundance. Um, so I have not tried um, succession planting it. All right. Well, that was our episode for today. Thank you so much for joining us, everyone. If you're listening over on a podcast app, we would love if you'd give us a rating and review. And if you're watching over on YouTube, we'd love for you to give us a like and a comment. We always love hearing what you have to say. So thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate all of you watching and listening. And Lane, thanks so much for the beautiful slideshow. Remember, if you are on a podcast, you can head over to our YouTube channel and actually see the images of all these beautiful flowers. And if you want to learn more about us, head over to gardenersworkshop.com. We'd love to see you over there too. Until we meet again. Bye, Lane. Bye.